Welcome to Huddle Up Podcast, live here on our Facebook page. This week we have tons to talk about, including Madness Has Ceased, Tiger Is Falling, and The Cup Is Getting Ready. But first, our show is brought to you by QB54, the newest game taking over backyards and tailgates everywhere. Soon going to be uh, getting some nicer weather across the country, and you're going to need a new game to play. So go to playqb54.com, use promo code PODCAST for 20% off of your order again play qb54.com use promo code podcast and get 20 percent off of your order we are back at full strength dave is dave is on the uh, on the mend off the ir and he is back with us and we are back on the air dave you survived the flu man how are you doing hey we're hanging in there jimmy it's uh definitely better than uh last week at this time i'm uh semi-normal temperature wise um Feeling much better and still have my heart of gold. Well, what you got a heart of gold maybe is what what we should be saying. But uh, Dave, the the first thing that I that I think is only fair to bring up here um, is uh, you know we did our little bracket challenge for March Madness. Obviously, you know that uh, that concluded uh, you know just this week. But Russ, we should first congratulate uh, listener Russ for winning the uh the bracket challenge uh all you get is a shout out here on the show nothing special there besides you know your your fame and glory over us but dave um i think mo- more even i, I don't want to say more notably i don't want to take away from what russ did but you finished where dave I, I don't know but i think my march madness ended about two weeks ago in all honesty <laughs> um well, in case you uh, in in case you didn't see it, um, you finished in dead last in the pool, uh, and I, out of you, me, and Sean, the uh, the the three hosts of this show, um, I finished best out of all of us. I actually finished in uh, in in third place overall behind uh, Russ and Anthony. So uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of myself. A very well, that doesn't tell you how wonky of a tournament it was. Nothing else will. Hey, um, regardless of how wonky or not this thing was, I'm happy about where I finished. Um, of I course, Lord, I didn't think I'd get to use it on the podcast tonight. Wonky. <laughs> we uh, we amaze ourselves uh, even after a couple of years. Uh, but congratulations to the Villanova Wildcats and uh, and the uh, Notre Dame women's basketball uh, for winning the uh, the championship. Um, the final four was, uh, was, was somewhat unexpected, obviously with Loyola Chicago, um, coming out of their, uh, you know, out of their region, uh, Michigan, Villanova and Kansas rounded out the top four, uh, the final four, um, besides Loyola Chicago, which was, you know, the, the happy special story of the, uh, of March madness, Dave, what, was there anything else that, that really stuck out to you as, um, you know, surprising or, uh, I mean, I know that there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of uh, upsets and things, but, uh, anything in, in particular note that stood out to you besides the obvious four letters, Jim, U M B C. All right. The, the 16 seed that beat the one seed. Oh, well, yeah, obvious, obviously. Yeah. I, 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 had, I had that. I had that in the notes uh, for last week, and then of course we uh, we weren't on the air. Yeah, history history made for the first time a 16 seed defeating a uh, a one seed. Um, now I know before when we were previewing the, the 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 bracket, Dave, I think you had noted that you thought Penn over Kansas was a was a potential maybe. Um, you know, tripping point for it from a 16 to one standpoint. I think that was the one that, that you had kind of earmarked. Um, how, how, like, how did this happen? I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't see the whole game. I, I caught the very end just to, uh, you know, kind of watch the, the history as it, as it were, but was it, was it a situation of, of Virginia just kind of overlooked them or, or was this something that, that some people thought may have been, uh, may have been a potential, you know, downfall for, for Virginia? Um, well, how it happened is that UMBC scored more points than Virginia. That's, that's the how. Um, but the why is 
Um, and again, Dave's opinion, and I watched the game on and off. I was kind of, it, it wasn't the absolute best game that was on at the time. So mm-hmm. I really didn't watch it because UMBC actually um, pretty much dominated the game. Correct. Uh, I, I think you have a couple things that happened here uh, in my expert analyst opinion here, of course, uh, channeling my inner Charles Barkley. Um, but I think what happened are, are two main things. I think UMBC was in the playing game, if I remember correctly, which, which may or may not be true. I don't, don't remember offhand, but I, my, my gut's telling me that they were which gave them a, a game of uh, um, a game to really get their, their nerves and everything out. And then it was kind of more business-like for the second game. Um, but I think the bigger factor is that Virginia's one of Virginia's top players. And I believe he was their sixth man. So the guy that they relied on a lot off the bench um, was out for the tournament. So I think that uh, really um, scattered Virginia a little bit, but um, Virginia was, was very weak defensively, which is abnormal for them. And, they didn't score a lot of points. I mean, they went through the ACC, the whole the whole ACC season and postseason tournament, and I think they lost once. And then UMBC beats them. Come on. Yeah, it. Um, you know, any any time like you you have these, you know, landmark upsets and 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 these games that uh, you know you know will will be remembered forever because one team you know made history and one team. Uh, you know, was was you know just kind of the 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 embarrassment. And I'll, and I'll use that word for Virginia um, because of of how lopsided of a game it was. Um, it it just kind of reminds us that you know even even in a, in a situation where um, you know you think that you'll never see something happen, or uh, you know there's no reason to watch this game or that game because uh so and so is completely outmatched like you know every now and again you're you're going to have these moments in sports that uh you know reiterate why you know why we are fans and and you know for for one day and in one march madness and you know and obviously this this was the first time this ever happened so it may be years and years and years uh until it ever happens again but uh you know definitely a uh, a pretty special moment um, you know, for uh, for those kids. Definitely couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, I think it's something that we will see again. Um, or is it something we're going to see every year? Absolutely not. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely see it again. I mean, the, the question is, does it happen by, by 2020, 2030, 2040? I mean, it's going to happen at some point. There's just no, no, uh, no way around it. I mean, the, the way the game is played now, you have a lot more up-tempo and shot reliance. So if you have a team that's making their shots, it's going to be harder to beat regardless of what level they are. So um, it will happen again, but who knows how often or frequent. Yeah, and that you know that's the key is is you know and and I think too, um, you know the the way the way that, that that college basketball has changed and and with a lot of your you know one and dones you know I think it, it's changed. You know, in, in this situation, I think it's changed for the better because I think you're going to get, uh, you know, get these moments somewhat more frequently. Again, I don't think it's going to be something that happens every year uh, by any means, but it, you know, it is, it is something that I think we will see, you know, more frequently than once every uh, like 50 years or something like that. But uh, but again, congratulations to Villanova uh, for winning the national championship, and again the uh, the women from the University of Notre Dame for winning the uh the championship over there one more thing jim before you move on sure but, um is, isn't it crazy just the nature of the tournament you think about this villanova won every game by double digits michigan needed a last second half court shot in the second round to get by um oh crap i just forgot who it was and Houston. I just, yeah yeah so, and they made it the whole way to the championship game they probably shouldn't have even beat houston but yet they were in the title game just kind of amazing on how how exciting a one and done type game is oh absolutely absolutely and and um you know in in a sport that you know you you don't play series you know like i can you know i look at major league baseball once you get to the uh you know we get to the postseason and they have the play in game i i hate the play in game uh in baseball because your your entire season structure is based on on series and then it comes down to one single game um but again you know in, in in basketball it is a sport that is played a game at a time uh so when you get uh you know when you get into these tournaments you know you, you get a team that 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 goes hot and 
Um, you know, you never know what can happen. I know, I think it was either in the Elite Eight matchup or the Final Four matchup, um, you know, Michigan was was losing. And, and even though my, my wife isn't a uh, big basketball fan, you know, she, she kind of kept uh, her eyes on uh, where the Michigan Wolverines were. And, you know, Michigan was down, I think, uh, you know, eight or nine. She's like, oh, my God, they're getting killed. I'm like, it's, you know, it, it's a couple minutes, uh, you know, into the, the first half of a game. You get you get one hot run and the other team, you know, misses a couple of baskets. Uh, Michigan's going to be right on top. Um, so, you know, and that, that that's what is exciting about the sport. Again, I'm not a big basketball fan. I never have been. But that's what's cool about March Madness. And I, I am not going to pretend like I sit and watch every game. Um, but when I do sit down and I catch some of it, um, there is that excitement there because, you know, any, anything truly can happen. And now, uh, you know, the, the thing you say every year of, well, 16's never beaten a one. Well, now they have. So truly, uh, anything can happen in, in March madness. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's exciting time. It's fun to watch the passion the kids play the game with. Absolutely. Speaking of, uh, exciting times and passion and all of those sort of things, uh, the tradition, unlike any other, as you'll hear uh, time and time again over the course of the broadcast over the next four days uh, from Augusta National, uh, defending champion Sergio Garcia comes into play uh, and, and defend his uh, Masters championship as the Masters officially kicks off um, tomorrow morning with the uh you know with the you know ceremonial uh you know tee shots and uh and then the then the action gets underway uh before before we get to that did you see the guy blow out his ankle uh on the uh, on the par 3s today Not only did he blow it out they put it back together on the course He put it back together uh on the course yeah, well. <laughs> I mean I saw I saw somebody say they're like I forget who it was and and I and I apologize for Tony, letting Tony P now. Yes. Um <laughs> I saw somebody post uh you know he he breaks his ankle or distal something and I was like how does a guy break his ankle on a golf course? Um and then uh you know then I watched the clip and I I almost threw up my lunch. I made the mistake of of uh of watching it uh, not not long after the uh the lunch hour but um man that's uh that's pretty gnarly and then he was still able to get up and uh and celebrate with his uh family and everybody there but uh it's 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 a it's a fun event of course yesterday you had the uh you know the guy skipping the ball across the uh the pond there at 16 and and it's um just the pictures man and and I I talk about this tournament and uh there there's there's very few tournaments that I will you know, take the iPad to work and make sure it's on at all times for all four days and uh, watch literally as much as I humanly can. Uh, but the Masters is one of them because it is it is just a uh, an unbelievable uh, sight to see uh, every year at, at Augusta in the battle for the green jacket. Yeah, Jim, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think it's uh, it's one of those, if you're a, a golf fan in any sense, uh, you, you will – have to get to the grounds of Augusta at some point. Uh, I keep putting my name in for the damn tickets, and every year I get the, de- the, the declining email that breaks my heart. So um, one of these years I'm going to win tickets or I'm going to have to fork over the, the grounds of money to be able to get in and see it. But uh, I just hope I have a better experience than our buddy Jim. Uh, he was down last Monday or Monday last year and uh, got to see a whole uh, eight holes in the practice round and got rained off the course twice, and oh. that was it. Man, that's uh, that's that's absolutely that's awful. Uh, I mean, you you look at um, and and I and it, and it seems like it doesn't ever really rain a whole lot. Knock on wood at Augusta. I mean, you had Adam Scott in the uh, in the rain uh, a couple of years back, but um, you know, usually the uh, the the sports gods and the weather gods usually meet meet up pretty well uh, when it comes to uh, the, you know this tournament, but. Um, yeah, you know that that that's a bummer. That's definitely something that I hope to be able to uh, mark off the uh, the bucket list at some point. Um, Got to put your name in the drawing, Jim. I know. I keep forgetting to. And and uh, is it? Can you you start entering now for next year, or is it uh, yeah. after this year's over? Oh, you, you can get on the email, and you got to put in like your name, your credit card, all that. But if you get drawn, it's only like seventy dollars a ticket or something. Okay. Well, yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to make a note and uh, and remind myself. I'm going to write it down actually right now, 
So I uh, I don't uh, forget to do that. But um, and take Dave with. Don't forget that on there too. Well, ab- absolutely, and I hope that you would reciprocate the same. Um, Anything to spend t- twelve hours in the car with you. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, we we would have to definitely have to throw some uh, live video up there uh, on that one. But if you want to get any thoughts uh, on tonight's show, uh, whether it's the Masters, whether it's a March Madness talk, or what have you, you can do that. Uh, the number is on our uh, social media post about the show, but it is also 401-347-0613, and then enter pin 29312 unprompted. Again, that's 401-347-0613, and then use pin 29312. We're going to be talking about some uh, NHL stuff in a little bit and uh, maybe wrapping it up with some football if there is time. Um, looking over the updated ma- uh, Masters odds today, Dave. Uh, yeah, before, you, before you go there, Jim, I, sure, I, I sure, just sure. want to throw out a um, couple, couple things when looking at odds and looking at who's going to win the Masters. Um, reading a couple things today, and I, I happen to agree with them, that um, the, the important things when you're trying to figure out who you want to pick, all this stuff, the important key three stats, um, the, the number one most important stat is how you attack the par fives that you need to be ranked highly in your par five scoring. Um, you, you have to take advantage of 13 and 15 on the back nine. You have to play those at about six under, five, six under for the week to have a legitimate shot. Um, the, the past, uh, I don't remember the numbers offhand, but the, the of the last 10 masters, they've went uh, like roughly minus six on the par threes, minus 14 on the par fours, and they were like minus 80 on the par fives. So the last 10 Masters winners, that's kind of their cumulative scores there. So that shows how important the par fives are. The second item that, ha- that is key is you have to be able to scramble well. Scrambling is key. Driving accuracy is not key as long as you hit the ball relatively far. Relatively far being about 290. 280, 290 is far enough for Augusta to be able to attack it with success. But you need to be able to scramble when you're out of position. And going along with that scrambling is how important that putting is. So you need to be able to scramble, putt, and attack the par fives, the big three keys. Um, and, and the fourth key going along with that is you need to avoid bogeys. So you, you, need to, you need to be able to, when you hit that tee shot out of position, you need to be able to somehow figure out how to get pars um, when you should bogey. The fairways at Augusta are pretty wide, so driving accuracy is normally not that big of a deal. Um, and Augusta doesn't have a ton of rough either. Um, so it's not like rough that you can't get out of on some of the U.S. Opens and up to your knees. Um, it, it's normally pretty playable from the rough. So positioning off the tee is more important than accuracy, if that makes sense. So Jim, just kind of throwing that out there, that those kind of are who you're, you're looking for when you're looking for uh, possible picks this week in my eyes. Yeah, no, those are those are all great points. And, and, and for those who have uh... – you know, watch the Masters, you know, year in, year out. I think that, that you, um, you know, hit the nail pretty well on the head there. Uh, it, it's it's something that, you know, if you, you know, you hit the ball long and you manage the course, you know, you're going to be fine. Uh, and if you can avoid trouble, somebody, uh, you know, reminds Spieth of that one. Uh, if you find trouble, you <laughs> you are, uh, you know, you're, you're probably going to be in some trouble there. But um, Jordan Spieth is, as of today... Go ahead. If Jordy splat if Jordy splashes on that par three on Sunday, I am done. Twitter will explode. <laughs> uh and uh and you can follow along with Dave at D Gerhart zero two four G E R H A R T zero two four. Um uh, I I'll be tweeting as much as I can, dude. The the this is the this is the absolute nightmare scenario. Usually um WWE's WrestleMania is like the first Sunday in April. And then the Masters is the following weekend. This year, they both fall on the same day. Uh, so I'm pulling, uh, you know, three count, uh, three count Thursday pre-show, pre-WrestleMania show duties. Um, but uh, I will have the iPad on and uh, tuned to Augusta. So I will be, uh, I will be watching, although probably not quite as intently as I normally do. Uh, it does suck a little bit, but there's no way I am not watching uh, Sunday at Augusta. Uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas at the top of the, uh, you know, the the favorites list, uh, both at ten to one as of earlier today. Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Rose, and Tiger Woods are at twelve to one. Uh, so Tiger fell a little bit in the, uh, the last week or so. 
uh, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Phil Mickelson at sixteen to one, and John Rahm. Right there. What's that? With those names you've named, have you named your Masters champion yet? Do you think? I can't remember a Masters that has been more wide open in terms of people saying, "Oh, there's you know so and so is going to win, so and so is going to win, so and so is going to win." I think it, this is the most wide open Masters that I can remember that there's not a clear cut guy. I mean, I think last year. Rory and Jordy and Dustin were all like six to one. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. And and to see the favorites at a double digit number, um, I think is pretty telling of where the field's at this year. Uh and, and we'll we'll talk about Tiger Woods's, you know, influence on that uh-huh. here in just a second. Um my pick uh, is there, but is in those uh, in those guys? But I, I truly don't know if, if the, you know, like you said, I don't know if your Masters champion is there. Um, you know, there's you know there's there's some guys, uh, you know, all throughout the field, and and I mean, you go all the way down, um, you know, you go all the way down the line, and, and there's potential uh, for somebody to get a run, and you know, we've seen unlikely champions not only at Augusta, but but at other majors, but. Um, you know, we've seen unlikely champions before and, you know, your defending champion is at 30 to one and, you know, and, and, you know, I think that's a, that's a telling sign too, of just like you said, how open this field actually is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I I think, uh, I don't know how you want to do this as far as picks, Jim, but I think we should give a, a favorite or so out of that first group that you named there on who we like, um, kind of a, a middle of the road type player. And then a, a long shot just to kind of make it interesting, um, on who we like. And I mean, going, going with everything I've said, and I think a guy that has a lot of momentum coming in, I think he's playing the best golf in the world right now, in my opinion. Um, my favorite pick to win it would be Justin Rose. Um, I think he's the hottest golfer in the world, aside from maybe Justin Thomas right now. But uh, runner-up finish last year, so he obviously knows the way around, uh, around Augusta. Um, definitely uh, storied, has experience there. Um, I, I just got a feeling that uh, this is the year for the Rose. Uh, I, I mean, you can't, can't really argue with that one. Um, for me in that, in that first grouping, um, that, that I think maybe has the best chance. I, I, for, for whatever reason, and and maybe it's just hopeful optimism that, um, you know, he will complete the, uh, you know, complete the, the big four is, is Rory. Um, you know, he, He's uh, he's been playing pretty sporadically, you know, and and, and he's kind of been all over the place, and it, it's uh, kind of been the story of his career. But when he's able to hone it in, uh, you know, he he is one of the most talented, one of the best players, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the tour and uh, you know in this field. So for me, um, I'm going to go out of that top grouping for uh, you know my favorite, and that's gonna you know that's gonna be my pick. Uh, is Rory McIlroy. Yeah, I can't argue that pick at all. I actually have, uh, uh, out of that grouping, I have a lot of uh, Justin Rose and Rory McIlroy I'm planning on using in uh, DraftKings. So, nice. uh, solid pick there, Jim. Uh, Rory played, uh, I believe, two weeks ago when he won the tournament, and he uh, was late out on the weekend winning. So, maybe everything's clicking at the right time for him. Maybe. Uh, in terms of... I'll go. I'll look, you down with your eyes there, big boy. Yeah, in the uh, kind of in the in the, in the middle of the road, uh, you know, you have uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Hideki Matsuyama, and Sergio Garcia, the defending champion, at thirty to one. Kucher, Leishman, and Norin at forty to one. Uh, Ustase and Scott, Charlie Hoffman, Ian Poulter, uh, DeChambeau, uh at sixty to one. Uh, looking looking in that grouping, Dave. Uh, for me as a middle of the road guy and, and who I think could, uh, you know, potentially make a run for it is I'm going to, I'm going to go with the defending champion. I, I know we don't see, uh, a lot of repeaters, uh, at Augusta and it's not something that we've be, you know, necessarily become accustomed to, um, in, uh, you know, in recent years, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's a fun pick. Uh, he's a guy that, um, is somewhat polarizing and I, I think we saw that last year. Uh, and over the last couple of years, um, but uh, you know when he finally you know achieved you know that mark and and, and won down there uh, at the Masters last year, I think you know you, you saw a, an outpouring of a, of emotion and support uh, from the golf community. So uh, I'm going to go with the defending champion out of that middle grouping. Well, that's a that's a bad pick, but uh, well done, <laughs> I guess. Um, 
I'm going with with Matt Kuchar. He's been up there. I think he finished fourth last year. Ever so quietly, he's been up there mm-hmm. um, the past couple of years. Um, doesn't hit the ball super far. Pretty accurate. Very good scrambler. Um, extremely good putter. Uh, all keys around Augusta. So um, I, I think and I uh, actually have some uh, futures on Matt. Um, got him a little bit earlier this year. I think I got him 55 to one. So um, definitely like to see Cooch uh, put on a, uh, a green jacket Sunday. evening. It would be uh, pretty nice, and I will be screaming Cooch at the top of my lungs if he does because uh, that would be a very nice payday for yours truly. Yeah, very good. Um, now, I, in terms of the, the long shot picks, I'm not going to go the whole way. I'm not going to go all the way down the uh, you know, the odds list. But for me, a long shot, and I don't care that he is uh, he is 12-1, to 1, I think that is just merely because of uh, excitement and the eyes on the product and uh, you know the fact that he has been playing uh, pretty pretty decent golf. Um, my, you know, long shot to win it and my, my hope to win it, obviously, you know, my, my, my official pick as it were is, uh, is Rory, but, um, I want to see Tiger win. I at least want to see Tiger, uh, you know, near the last couple groups, uh, on, on, on Sunday and, and, and make it interesting because, and for two reasons, one, I, I, I want to see him, uh, you know, get a, get a win and uh you know get another major victory but i want to see what the rating number on this tournament will be if tiger's even in the conversation come sunday yeah i mean very interesting um tiger is interesting but i think uh to me the bigger wild card this week is how is phil nicholson going to perform i mean he won already this year he's been striking the ball very very well um and his putting has been the best i think he's He's been rolling the ball in the greens in, in a long, long time. Um, but he hasn't played in almost a month now. So what state is his game in? Sure. Um, so I'm more interested to see how Phil does um, than Tiger. Um, Tiger, in my eyes, um, based on the stats and looking, looking at his rankings in, in, the, in the three main stats and comparing him to some other guys, I think Tiger should be in the 25 to 30 to 1 range to yeah. win. Um, he is definitely short at the odds listed. Um, but that's just what happens when you have um, a whole bunch of money expected to come in on him, which is probably going to happen. So, Absolutely. Um, long shot for me, um, I'm going with Brian Hartman. So, uh, very good, extremely well, extremely good putter, extremely good at scrambling. I believe he's in the 70 to 1, 80 to 1 range potentially. Not extremely long off the tee, but uh, again, not a not a requirement here at Augusta. And the, the man is ranked in. Uh, you're probably going to be shocked by this, Jim, but I believe he's ranked about 25th in the world right now. Um, A name that not a lot of folks know, but uh, very, uh, very quality under the radar type player. And he's playing some really good golf the last couple of weeks. So um, my, my long shot would be Brian Harmon. Yeah, very good. And and if, uh, you know, we have any uh, listeners or friends that are going to be down there, um, you have to be careful what you say or what you do uh, while you are, uh, while you were down there, the uh, there's some uh, there's some banned phrases uh, that that will get you kicked off. Uh, one of them being the uh, the Bud Light ad, "Dilly Dilly," that'll get you thrown out. Uh, mashed potatoes will also get you thrown out. This list, uh, you know, was released uh, I think yesterday, or the day before. Um, if there's any running, you'll be ejected. Um, so if I'm down there, you won't have to worry about that. Um, no phones, obviously, uh, you know, knowing when and where to, uh, ask for autographs can only be done around the, uh, the clubhouse, um, you know, uh, passing, uh, you know, using somebody else's tickets, uh, littering, wearing, uh, golf shoes or no shoes, uh, will get you done. But, uh, Bud Light released a, uh, statement, King John Barley, the fourth, uh, from the commercials, released uh, released a statement. He said, Your king hath received word that the guard of the green jacket plan to escort any patron who dare utter dilly-dilly off yon premises. Uh, except for myself, I am against tyranny in all forms, so I have instructed my royal tailors to make 1,000 dilly-dilly shirts that shall be delivered to Georgia in time for the festivities. For if thou cannot say dilly-dilly, thou can still wear dilly-dilly. Uh, your friendship and beer, King John Barley the Fourth. So uh, we'll have to be on the uh, we'll have to be on the watch out for some uh, some dilly dilly shirts at uh, at Augusta this week. 
of all things that are making news nowadays, that's it. <laughs> well, when you uh, when you have uh, you know a new website launch every like you know one and a half seconds, it's it's bound to uh, it's bound to play itself down uh, to that level. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, on the Masters here, Dave? Before we move on, uh, I, I think the only thing that I wanted to touch on, um, kind of one more um, wager, I guess, that I'd like to give out. Is I really like um, I really like Ricky Fowler over John Rahm in the matchups. So um, take advantage of that if you can get it. But I think that's the my favorite matchup at this point uh, per the book. So um, enjoy the golf, everyone, and uh, we look forward to watching uh, Justin Rose put on the green jacket and Jordy go splash on Sunday. Man, you are uh, you are absolutely hoping for that. So let's. Uh... Dave, let's move to the NHL. Uh, one week from tonight, the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs kick off. Just a uh, most teams down to two games left. There are a few teams who have three games left, but the uh, the season is most definitely winding down. How much sleep do you get during the NHL playoffs? Like, I don't know about you, but I <laughs> I cannot turn a ten thirty game off, and it, it inevitably every night I'm in bed at. One thirty-two o'clock in the morning, and then off goes the alarm at five fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't sleep a lot as it is, but uh, it, it goes even down even more uh, during the the Stanley Cup playoffs. I remember uh, the one year I was in college, there was a, it was, I know it was Vancouver, and I want to say like Colorado or something. Uh, on the first night, it was a game from Vancouver, so obviously it's starting ten ten thirty, and uh, the game went into like triple overtime. Uh, right out of the gate, and uh, I had a uh, eight a.m. test in a uh, in a math class. So it, uh, I think I, I actually just powered through and then went to sleep afterwards. So, uh, yeah, no, the sleep in the Stanley Cup playoffs is um, is frowned upon. Actually, I agree. It's uh, been a uh, wacky year in the NHL. Just uh, you, you got some other teams that uh, weren't as. Uh, as good as expected, and you got some teams that are playing way better than expected, so the playoffs should be uh, extremely interesting here. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the standings, as play started today uh, in the Metro Division, the Washington Capitals have already won and clinched the Metropolitan Division. They're sitting atop at 103 points. Pittsburgh has clinched a playoff spot at 96. Columbus in third um, in the in the Metro Division. Looking at the Atlantic, Boston Tampa and Toronto have all clinched a playoff spot. Uh, Boston and Tampa Bay come in tonight um, at 110 points, so they are battling it out for the Atlantic Division title. Coming into play today, the two teams um, in the wild card spots are the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia Flyers at 95 and 94 points, respectively. The only team still in contention for the final wild card spot would be the Florida Panthers. Uh, who won in controversial fashion? We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, at ninety points, um, Carolina, New York, uh, both New York teams—Detroit, Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo—are um, all out of the playoff race uh, as it stands. Over uh, over in the Western Conference, Dave, the Central Division is still up for grabs. Um, Winnipeg and Nashville battling it out. Uh, all three of these teams, Nashville. Winnipeg and Minnesota have clinched a playoff spot, but at uh, 110 points trailing Nashville by three, the Winnipeg Jets could still get the the Central Division. The Pacific Division is decided at 109 points entering play tonight. The Las Vegas Golden Knights um, clinched their division in the in the first damn year um, in an impressive first season. Uh, and an emotional first season, and uh, the retiring of the number fifty-eight, uh, you know, to honor the uh, victims of the Las Vegas shooting earlier this year, um, a really touching moment uh, in, a, in a pregame ceremony last week. Um, but what a year for for Vegas. San Jose has clinched a playoff spot in the Pacific. Uh, Los Angeles rounds out the top three there, and the wild card teams currently uh, are Anaheim at ninety-five, Colorado at ninety-three. Uh, but St. Louis uh, entering tonight at 92 points. They actually have three games to play, so they have a game in hand on Colorado and uh, in Dallas at 90 points. Calgary, Chicago, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona are all eliminated uh, from play. I think St. Louis and Colorado play each other the last game of the year, so that's going to be fun. 
Yeah, it definitely will be. Uh, the Blues currently tonight with that game in hand um, over um, over the Avalanche. The Blues are leading the Blackhawks three to two. Um, just starting the uh, the the third period. So if the Blues can hang on, they will actually jump into that uh, final wild card spot uh, in the Western Conference. Um, if the Blues miss the playoffs. Uh, because I know at one point the Blues had the consecutive uh, playoffs streak, and then the then the Red Wings did. This would be the first time, probably I I don't know the exact number, but probably well over thirty five years um, that both the Blues and Red Wings would miss the playoffs in the same year. So it's a, it's it's pretty pretty telling of how how you know maybe a little bit unexpected um, you know some of these uh, some of these playoff uh, playoff matchups are gonna gonna set up. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a very interesting playoff. I mean, it, the the cup's always interesting, but um, it, it's going to be very interesting this year. There's a lot of I, I don't look at a lot of these playoff teams and I say, oh, they're an easy out. Like I feel like I feel like every year there's always uh, you know of the uh, 16 teams that get in, there, there's realistically what five or six that you can see winning it. Well, I think this year your numbers got to be almost double digits. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I look at uh, Boston, I look at Tampa, I look at Toronto, um, Washington, uh, I look at obviously Pittsburgh. Um, you know, as, as all teams in the East, so there's five in the East that that are definitely, I think, in contention: uh, Nashville, Winnipeg, Minnesota, uh, Vegas. I mean, it, it seems weird saying that a first-year team, an expansion team, um, you know, is is one of those ones that's you know in in the conversation for a potential run, but based on what they've done all year, you, you can't deny them. Um, you know, and, and, and I think San Jose, uh, you know, can be in the conversation as well. But, but I, you know, I, I like to your point, I don't know that there really are necessarily any easy outs. When you look at the two wild card teams, um, you know, in the Eastern Conference, you know, with Philadelphia and New Jersey. Um, you know, Philadelphia and I, you and I were talking about this and, and you said that if, if we're the Washington Capitals, we're both Caps fans. You actually said to me before we went on the air tonight that you would not want to play the Flyers. Is that what you, is that right? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're probably the streakiest team in the NHL this year. I mean, and you roll the dice and Mrazic couldn't stop a freaking beach ball right now, but he plays the Capitals and he'd be able to, st- he'd be able to stop a marble shot with a hockey stick for four games and the, the Capitals would allow six goals and lose the series in four, probably just the the way the luck has gone. And uh, uh, I don't want to have to deal with Flyers fans either. I mean, the 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 uh, the, the wonderful fan base from out west is bad enough. I don't need them both on us. Yeah, it um, yeah it it would not uh, it would not be fun. It never is when uh, when losing to one of them. I always want to just get further than the than the two home state teams. Uh, and I know Dave, you and I were were, were talking about this, uh, you know, the, I think a couple of days ago. And and for the record, and I want to put this out there that as big as a, of a Capitals fan that I am, uh, I I don't have any you know aspirations of of you know grand you know grandeur or anything like that. I I don't necessarily think that out of all the Capitals teams that this is the one that's going to. Uh, you know, exercise the demons that that have you know hung over this team and this franchise. But this this year's team, uh, you know, at times, especially you go back into January, you go back into February, there was points in those couple of months, Dave, that that you were that that I don't know if you were, but I I, I was sitting there going, I, I I don't know if this team's even going to make a playoff, and if they do, uh, if if they'll have even a chance to get out of the first round, um, but all of a sudden. Um, in the last, you know, couple of weeks, this team has, has started to come together, and they've been playing probably their best hockey of the year. Uh, Philip Grubauer, the guy who I'm, I'm looking at his picture hanging over the desk, uh, you know, here in studio, um, has come on as the the goaltender that I always thought he he had the potential to be. Um, and 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 Barry Trotz has already said that the Capitals are going to play matchup base depending what what you know what goalie they're going to start that night which doesn't surprise me and I think that's actually the smart play does this Capitals team feel different than Capitals teams in the past to you yes 
Um, not a good different either, but a different different, if that makes sense. That it's, it's, I was trying to explain it to a coworker today. And literally the only thing that I could really think of is I have, it, it reminded me of that team from the East that won the Super Bowl. That there was no expectation. So if we win a first round series, I'm going to be like, cool. If we lose the first round series, I'm like, ah, that's these idiots. I knew that they were going to lose. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like it's just going to kind of go on and on and on. Um, what I keep going back to is our defense is so young that I just don't know that it can handle it. Um, but I, I don't know that I, I just don't like, I have no expectations. There's no real feel on what to expect from this team. So, I mean, could we, could we lift the Stanley cup? Well, probably if we steal it, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's more likely that we lose in the first round than it is. Then, and we, we, you know what I mean? I, I just, it, yes, it feels different, but I have no expectations. I mean, if we if we lose in the first round, I, I'm going to be sad that they lost, but it's not going to be a, a crushing loss like it's been a couple of years where expectations were so damn high. Yeah, and, and you know that's that that's the weird thing. But I think I think for me, Dave, um, it, it does. This team does feel different, but one of the ways it feels different is it actually feels, um, you know, pretty complete. Yeah, the 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 defensive, uh, you know, the defensive six that that, that play on a regular basis are very young um but in the in the same time I, I look at I look at the the four forward lines and I think it's it's probably one of the best forward lines top to bottom that uh the Capitals have had in a long time and, and there, there's not necessarily if it, it feels weird saying that but it, it, because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily jump off the page at you um I mean I got the I got the Wilson jersey in the background tonight um you know, maybe just to, to, to piss off people that don't like him. But, uh, you know, that's a guy that, you know, his reputation is what it is. But if you really look at the player that he's evolved into, um, he's not just the bag of knuckles that he used to be. Uh, and, and you know, Lars Eller's come on strong. Jay Beagle's a guy that uh, I, I never expected him to be. I'll be 100% honest about that. That was a guy that I thought would, um, you know, kind of go along the lines of a uh, Alex Giroux, keep the coin type where – um, you know, great at the AHL level, going to get some calls up, but uh, is is never really going to stake. And he's rounded up uh, to be, you know, to be a really solid player. But um, it, it feels like a complete team. And they're they're what I what I will say is that they're playing well uh, at the right time. I I do think that tomorrow night the Capitals have a matchup with the Nashville Predators, uh, and I know they had a couple of uh, call ups from Hershey today, so I don't know if that's. Uh, to give some guys some rest, or if there's some injuries, or or what the uh, what the thought behind that is, but uh, I think we 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 can could potentially learn a, a good bit about where this Capitals team is at um, about 24 hours from now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's potential, but I also think it's you don't want to show your hand too much on this. Sure. To to possibly tip some stuff too, so it'll be interesting to. It'll be interesting to see, and I mean, I think it's a a pretty clean cut uh, example there that, that you win it means a lot more than if you lose type of thing. But uh, who knows? Um, all I can say is I'm very happy having a uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights ticket at uh, 150 to one from for the expansion draft. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one to make sure you don't lose that. Um, the, the Alexander Ovechkin, um, a, another milestone, of course, uh, earlier this year, um, you know, hit his, uh, hit his 600th goal, but he reached his, uh, 1000th NHL game Sunday night in a, uh, capital shellacking of, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it, which is a, a, another telling thing about where this team is at. That's a hard building to go into and win. That's also a very hard building to go into and uh, rock the Penguins to the core, and that's exactly what Washington did on Sunday night. Uh, it was a very happy Easter for uh, for me here. Um, oh, I missed that. What was the score? It was, uh, well, it was 3-1, to one, but it, it was really more like 3 to nothing. I think. Oh. Uh-huh. Is that why Uncle Mitch didn't call in? Yeah, you know no, that. that we, you know we that beat is, you in the playoffs. We beat you in the playoffs. You know that that is kind of a funny thing because there was a game earlier this year. You know, back in that stretch where the Capitals were playing pretty poorly, um, where I think we went out there and got got hammered like seven to two or something. And you know, it was amazing how many times that night my phone like it just blew up with calls and texts and you know tweets and things like that, but. 
Hmm. Yeah, this this past Sunday it was all it was maybe it was the holiday. Maybe it was the holiday, you know, guys, uh, you know, didn't have a chance to get to their phones as much as they did uh before, but uh you know, I I I've stayed relatively quiet. Uh but Alexander Ovechkin Dave uh reaching another milestone in his career. Um 1000 games. Uh he is uh he's the first player from his draft class in 2004 to reach um 1000 games he's the 54th player in league history to do it with this with one team um you know for reference the number two pick that year in 04 uh Evgeny Malkin has played just 781 games so you know it shows I think the um you know the ability to stay healthy uh by Ovechkin um but but pretty cool that he uh of course is uh you know still with the Capitals uh, after all these years so just a, another another neat milestone for uh for the captain yeah definitely i mean uh obviously getting down is one of the greatest players of all time it's just a matter of uh what the end of his legacy looks like yeah i mean I, and uh, obviously there there's some degree of bias for me uh and for me but um i i think if a, a player like ovechkin um doesn't get to uh you know lift the ultimate prize that uh that, that'll be a real shame because um he's a he's a once in a generation type of player so I, I i i obviously as a capitals fan i hope uh you know we see it but uh you know for ovechkin as well uh to uh to be able to uh, see that um the goaltender interference is something that the nhl um, has had problems with for years and years and years and enforcing it properly last night in nashville it came uh, you know, front and center once again, where a literally last second goal uh, was reversed um, because of uh, an overturn because of uh, goaltender interference. Uh, I shared the video to uh, both Facebook and Twitter today, and you know, I've I've watched that clip, Dave, ten, fifteen times, and and I I can not I can still not believe that that goal was overturned. I, I, I cannot, was there a little bit of contact made, um, you know, stick and pad to, uh, Luongo? Absolutely. But there was nothing. And, and look, if you look up uh, rule 69 in the NHL rule book, um, there's nothing that I can find on that play that tells me that that goal had to be overturned. Like I, I, I likened goaltender interference in the, in the national hockey league to, the catch no catch in the NFL because you watch something at full speed and you're like oh that's a goal you know or that's a catch and then these these referees and you know video replay uh, folks and, and don't get me wrong if you need to make a play right make a play right but you're you're judging things at a speed that the game was never meant to be judged at and i i think you're overusing technology you're abusing technology and, you know, at times you, you get it wrong and it affects the game. And it, it's just another instance of goaltender interference being enforced incorrectly. Yeah, my my whole thing with goaltender interference, and it kind of, it actually, not kind of, it actually pisses me off more than the catch and no catch thing in the NFL. Because the NFL, um, until recently, had the wrestle in the field making the calls. But the the the... Leafs do a lot of, or the NFL, the NHL does a lot of the review centrally. So, how is this so hard to make it consistent? Is my biggest gripe. And again, this goes back oh, sure. to everything. I don't care if it's goaltender interference or not. But as a fan, I should know that. You know, as an educated sports fan, I should be able to tell with pretty good certainty, ninety percent of the time, if I'm being unbiased, if it's a goal or not a goal by watching a replay. And yeah, it shouldn't take five minutes to get that call out, but I should be able to know pretty quick on what the the correct call is just by watching the replay. And huh, good luck. I mean, I think there's some that. Are, but uh, the, the the other thing with this is kudos to whoever challenged this. I mean, that is a heck of a challenge to think about that at the end of the game there. Oh sure, sure. Because then, you know, in those moments, your teams go into the locker room referees are getting off the ice and, and whatnot and so a lot of times you know you you don't have the uh you know the mindset and the the frame to uh you know you know challenge that last second goal um and, and the the funny thing is you know I, I wonder too um you know were they challenging challenging it just from a time standpoint 
uh, because it was literally in the last second of the game. Um, and, and, you know, and then of course they, they, they overruled it with the, the goaltender interference, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, the, there's, there's times where it clearly happens and it's not called. And then there's times like this where, where it's such as this, this gray area and, you know, the, the, the post that I put out on, on Facebook, the, on our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash huddle up podcast and, uh, over on Twitter, at, uh, following at huddle up podcast that, myself and, and another person who you know we are we're both um huge hockey fans are going back and forth about why we think with what with our knowledge of the game and our inter you know and, and it comes down i guess to that word interpretation of a of a written rule um you know how how that thing should have been ruled and the the fact that there are people that you know, know about the game of hockey and, you know, in some cases play the game of hockey and you have analysts that know the game that, that are watching this. And I, and I, and I go back to, to, you know, how those, those two catch, no catch, uh, you know, were discussed, not how the ruling went down, but how they were discussed during the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, you had, you had ex NFL players, you had current NFL players on social media and whatnot discussing it as well as fans and it was like a 50 50 split of this is a catch this isn't a catch you know and you look at goaltender interference that was interference that wasn't interference that's a problem the nhl has like they like how can you how can you not look at this and, and and see that it that it's an issue it's clearly an issue we're too busy uh not reinforcing suspension for for repeat offenders yeah, that that's a that's another cup of worms in and of itself. Brad Marchand is, uh, you know, and, and and I, I don't like to call it original six bias, but sometimes I feel like there is original six bias uh, in some of these rulings. Uh, Dave, anything else from hockey before we're going to go rapid fire on on two uh, two football stories? Rapid fire away, baby. All right, today Robert Griffin the third signs a one year deal with the Ravens to be their backup quarterback. Uh, add or adding as ESPN called it an experienced backup to starter Joe Flacco. Um, head coach John Harbaugh said, you look at veteran quarterbacks out there where we're at right now. I'm pretty excited about this player. I'm really feeling like we got a steal. I really feel that way. Well, I really feel like he's just trying to convince himself that they signed a good deal. Um, he Robert Griffin, the third has not played since the 2016 season. Um, he was the number two pick in 2012 and was the fran- former franchise quarterback of the Washington Redskins. Uh, to say that his career, after making the Pro Bowl and all-rookie team that year in 2012, um, the the injuries and, uh, quite honest, um, poor play uh, drove him out of the league. Um, out of all the backups that are out there, the potential backups and you know guys you could draft and whatnot, and I guess I get you one experience – Robert Griffin the <laughs> third, I mean, wow! I, I out of all the guys that you would have said that that would have been signed this off season, RG three would not have been one that would have been near the top of my list. It's an interesting signing. I mean, I, in, if you look at this and you say it's a risk versus reward, I mean, what they signed him for a year contract and then what he could what he was in in you know the his early playing years, I can see why they did it. I mean, granted. So I think he gets back to that. I don't even know if he has a whole knee still left. Um, but risk first reward, it's not a bad risk to take because, I mean, realistically, you're you're hoping to not use the backup quarterback at sure. all. But, you know, you, you look at a, a team like Philadelphia and, uh, you know, if you have to go to that well, uh, you want to have a guy that you can trust. And I, I don't know that you can trust RG3. Um, you know, it could, could it pay off? I mean, it's obviously, um, you know, low risk. Uh, but I, I just, if I'm a, if I'm a Ravens fan, the last thing I want to do is, uh, is, is trust RG three. If, uh, if, if Joe Flacco goes down. I, I, I agree with that, but I mean, you, you feel like there's something else in the works too, that they have someone else in third string or something like that too. So, who knows? Interesting time to say the least, but uh, number two, kid. All right. Uh, a lot of buzz out of New England. Uh, a lot of trades and maneuvers going on up there. Uh, Brandon Cooks to L.A. Rumors about Gronk's future. Uh, don't look now, but the Patriots have two first-round and two second-round picks this year. 
So uh, rumors of their demise may be grossly uh, exaggerated. Uh, but obviously the big news is around Rob Gronkowski and whether or not he'll be traded. Some sources believe that he will still be traded within the next couple of weeks. The Patriots signed uh, you know, veteran tight end Troy Nicholas uh, to a deal today. Um, but others say that with the Cooks trade to L.A., the Patriots will not uh, be trading the uh, the controversial at times tight end. Dave, do you think come September when the Patriots take the field that Rob Gronkowski will be a member of the New England Patriots? Um, I'm going to go with yes, but uh, my real answer is who cares? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, you so know, going along with you love going the going Patriots, that, Dave. Yeah, yeah. So do I. I love Jordy too. Um, but going along with that, kind of spiraling a little on the side here. I thought this offseason the hype was going to be all around the San Francisco 49ers the way they finished the year. Do they not feel like they've been forgotten about and all the hype in the world is on Los Angeles right now? Yeah, it uh, it really is kind of this this strange juxtaposition, if you will, um, with, with the 49ers and, and with the Rams. Like the Rams are just kind of, you know, making buzz and making splashes every which way. Um, but yeah, you have a 49ers team, uh, you know, obviously Garoppolo, when he signed the big extension, uh, you know, that was the big news, but then all of a sudden there, there's other deals that are being signed that, you know, are making other quarterbacks even more valuable from a money standpoint anyway. And, you know, San Francisco has kind of, kind of been forgotten. And if I'm a 49ers fan and if I'm the 49ers organization, that's just fine with me. Uh, you know, you know, let everybody talk about everyone else because sometimes the team that is most in the headlines, uh, is the one that is, uh, is going to be missed. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of reminds, reminds me when everyone was talking about the Jaguars a year ago, two years ago. Well, I don't know if everybody was, I was a little premature on that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, you know, the, the Rams are making some buzz. I think Gronk will still be a member of the Patriots. I'll hold, I'll hold strong to my belief that the, um, that Gronk Brady and Belichick are all going to ride into the sunset together, uh, at the same time, uh, regardless of how much younger, uh, Gronk is he's, he's, his, his body is, is well, well aged, um, you know, over the year with injuries and things like that. And uh, the Titans unveiled their new uniforms tonight. Blue helmets uh, for the guys in, in Tennessee. Uh, the uniforms and colors haven't changed a whole, whole lot. Uh, but the most notif- noticeable difference, it will be a blue helmet. The Jaguars will also be re- releasing new uniforms. The two-tone helmet uh, is going to be no more. I'm probably the only person alive uh, that is bummed out by that because I love that helmet. Everyone gets excited with some little things, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, Dave, that's going to wrap it up, man. We uh, we we said to ourselves we were going to get in under an hour. That's what we're doing. Let them know where they can follow you, bud, and we're going to close this thing out. Excellent. We're on Twitter at uh, dgerhart 24 and we thank everyone for listening, and we look forward to watching my master's pick, Justin Rose, put on the green jacket Sunday evening. Talk to you all in the future. All right. See you, Dave. So that's going to do it for Huddle Up Podcast. You can follow along with us. If you found our live video, you know where our Facebook page is. But if you're listening on the audio side, that is facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Huddle Up Podcast. We're part of NGSC Sports Radio. Go to NGSCSports.com. Also visit their sponsor, QB54. The weather is eventually going to get warm. It's supposed to snow five inches here in central Pennsylvania on Saturday. But I'm not bitter about that, actually. I really am. But soon, very soon... The uh, weather should be getting nice, so you're going to need some games to play at tailgates and backyards and on the beach and all that. Go to playqb54.com, use promo code PODCAST to get 20% off your order. It's a great game, and you're going to love it. Get 20% off again, promo code PODCAST over at playqb54.com. You can follow the show uh, the social media. You can also follow me at Big Jim Sports. And until next time, stay safe, stay smart, and go for the win.